Hello and welcome to The Swim Brief. We are here to talk about the great hiring apocalypse of 2022. Or I guess if we bring it into the context of the rest of the world, how the great resignation is affecting swim clubs. Because guys, I don't know what you're hearing out there or experiencing or seeing, but um, swim clubs are having a really hard time staffing. They're having a crazy hard time. Um, and that's not just even from just looking at, at job boards and the number of unfilled positions. It's the amount of times you see a position that's been posted and then it gets posted again and then it gets posted again. Um, I haven't counted. I, I saw the one for Boilermaker Aquatics head, head age group position and I haven't counted how many times, but it's been, it's been around the block a few times. Um, so I thought, you know, more more than focusing on the particular news of the day, um, we, we this is something you, the three of us, talk about all the time over text message. And let's just put it put it on the record. What do we think is going on? Why do we think it is so hard to staff a, uh, a swim club in 2022? And I think each of us have a little bit of a different perspective on why that is but but we sort of agree on the broad um strokes of it um so i always like to lead with joel um who's on mute currently oh he's, so he's, 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 he's first we need to get joel off mute I'm there, off the, there we go. go yeah joel what's going on why doesn't anybody yeah. want to be a world famous swim coach yeah, I remember seeing this one meme, uh, like with the where Homer's leaning and talking to Bart, and Bart's like saying, "No one wants to work anymore, Dad." And then Homer leans in, "No one wants to work anymore for you," and that's kind of the deal with with swimming. I think right now it's again, uh, you see a lot of these things where um, I think it's, it's you get that thing where um, you know pay has got to catch up to the commitment that you're get you're putting in. You know, you get like. Um, um, uh, so many of these jobs where it used to be like, you'd have a, an age group coach, you like, they'd work a nine to five and they'd come on over and they'd coach Monday through Friday and pick up Saturday, Sunday meets. They go back to work on Monday. No one does that anymore. I mean, especially coming out of COVID. I think people did a lot of, you know, reanalysis. I think the stress of COVID, I think in a stressful situation, everyone can hunker down and fight through it. But once that stress is gone, that's when everyone like it gets hit where you're like, you need, you need that lag where I'll say, like, oh man, I, I can't believe I went through all that. And I don't think I can do that again. And I think a lot of people are saying that right now. So I see a lot of coaches that used to be kind of considered part-time because they're getting part-time pay. They're like, I'll work Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and then they have a Tuesday, Thursday coach. So you're not getting that coach who's going to be there five days a week. And then also the, 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 split shift kind of a deal where it's like, all right, you're going to be working from five to seven, work at the senior kids and coming back again after the high school teams are out of the pool from five until eight 30 at night. Well, you're only, co you know, you're only on deck coaching five hours. It's like split over a whole day. And then the middle of the day, what are, you, what are you supposed to be doing? You know, and then you're gone all weekend and it's time from your family. It's time for all these things and all for $35,000 know, or, or whatever that pay might be. And then you're going hat in hand to the, the the parent board, each one of them making, you know, six figures and brought their Lexus in. And and you're like, hey, I was wondering if I could get a 10% raise, just 3,500 more. Like, I don't think we can do that. You know, right. and so it's I, that's just, yeah, that's just my kind of personal thought of where it is. It's just, again, people kind of reevaluated 
you know, what, what their personal lives are doing. And I think especially on the, you know, maybe not the, the head coach end, but that, that assistant, that senior assistant, wherever that was a part-time coach that was also doing other things that just loves the sport of swimming and wants to come back. I think a lot of people are choosing, Hey, I love swimming. I love swimming at two days a week, not seven days a week. Right. No, I think one of the things you point to, I do think that you have a system that was functioning. Maybe it was functioning very dysfunctionally, but it was functioning. And you just like, it's one of those situations where, you know, more and more stress got piled on that system and it was still sort of functioning. And then when it broke, it broke hard. Like it broke really, really hard. It went from, you know, essentially like generally you can fill these positions to nobody can fill them very, very quickly. Um, And I think some of the existing, what you point to is some of the existing models for what, um, who might fill some of these positions are a bit broken at the moment. So you have that idea of somebody who is essentially a responsible coach, somebody who's at all the practices but has a different full-time job, those people are exceptionally hard to find. Um, and they're not, we're not, you don't see a lot of sort of new people coming into that. So it's either you have somebody like that on staff and they're still willing to do it. Eric and I discussed this on another podcast, um, how we actually have somebody like that at Wahoo who's a full-time school teacher and then is also the responsible coach for the youngest kids on our teams. And I think that's probably a situation that a lot of clubs envy in that respect, because that's exceptionally hard to find. And there's not new people like that coming into a lot of systems. And then the other people that might be willing to sort of would sort of in a past version of this model would be willing to come in and sort of pay their dues and work a lot. And um, for not exceptionally um, uh, high pay or even moderate pay um with the idea that they're looking to make a career out of swim coaching i think we've seen a sharp decline in those people as well i mean um i when i started coaching swimming now i came from a very economically privileged background probably the only reason i was able to do this um but i was essentially a volunteer coach for two years on the front end of uh doing this and i think we're seeing even people who have the capacity to do that are not necessarily interested in doing so. Um, we're interested at coming in at the entry level of some of these swim clubs. They're just seeing that there are other opportunities for them that make more sense for the life that they want to lead. And, and, and they're doing that. Just working at the university level. I mean, you'd see enough of the kids laughing at the idea of an unpaid internship, you know, and, and that was for an actually a lucrative job. Not a swim coaching job, you know, and so it is the same thing where this idea of paying the dues, moving your way up through the ranks kind of thing. And you're like, for what? Or for my end, where it was like, you know, the two, the uh, the the salary I was getting is about the equivalent of what we would have been paying daycare. It's like, well, you know, what, what should I rather do? Basically work for free or just stay home <laughs> and actually save the money. Yeah. Right. Um, Eric, I'm going to let you chime in here. Yeah, no, and I uh, first thing certainly see like you guys said it was just it seemed like it was a long time coming, and then COVID just opened it entirely. I had a coworker who 
like the job. There's a lot of aspects of our, our job, but it came with travel. And as soon as COVID came around and he was able to spend a lot of time with his kids, it was just this moment like, holy hell, like I can have all of this if I find the right, you know, at home job that's remote and more and more people are hiring remote. So I can do this and spend all this time with my kids. You know, the same thing with, with any, any coach. It's like, wait a second. I don't have to spend, you know, 30 hours a week on deck plus all of the admin and, and have a livable wage or, or, or realizing like that this is not a sustainable life. And I, I feel that question all the time when I went from coaching to this. And, you know, that first couple of months was really interesting. It was a lot of like how you sit and you cross your arms. That first two months was like sitting there crossing my arms the other way. It just felt weird. Uh but then after a while, it, like you just you kind of get used to it. All of a sudden, it's like I'm having dinner at dinner time at Friday at five o'clock. My work phone turns off. It doesn't turn on until Monday morning unless I'm on the road for a meet. And I do have some times that it's super busy, but I have the ability to tweak and, and move my schedule around. So I'm there for prelims for a couple hours and then I go away and come back for finals and stuff like that. And that all that flexibility is never there in coaching. So now it's a matter of, now a matter of how, how do we make that work? And you have all the people that you're trying to hire. And I'm thinking about it now as a coach and the things that I did, I necessarily didn't have, you know, pay my dues. But if I'm, if I'm thinking I have an hourly range that I can hire somebody on, like what's in, there's going to be like a season of probationary pay. I'm realizing it now. And I'm like, what's the point? Why don't I just give them the top end of this range It'd be like, this is where you are. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. If they move on, they move on. But if I'm giving them what I think they're going to be worth, I give it to them right away. They feel that value right away. Right. So when and they I, have something to, to lose if they, yeah, if they lose yeah. it. <laughs> so not to say that you should just put your posting out there for your job and have this range and then automatically give them the top range. Give them what you think their resume is worth, but be okay with the idea that you might have to give them a little bit higher on the front end to make them feel that value so you give so they feel like they've they've got something at stake and and, and they can give something else you know i think the other thing too is i'm i'm listening and talking to some of my other coaching friends and it you know coach that we that we both know chris and hannah and talking to her about how you know, when you're a younger coach in the college world, how you, you know, you keep your mouth shut and you just kind of follow in line and you don't question things. And that's a terrible way to retain coaches. And it's a terrible way to create a culture where things are going to be really great. And um, you can't get away with that club because somebody's just going to leave and find a part-time job to pay just as well. Um, but I think if you're going to have certain demands on people that you have to look at the whole picture and what, can you do that's intangible aside from pay them well that's going to keep them around and that's value their opinion and a value their experiences so um you know that's those are so those are two of the main things that i see right now is just the best way to actually entice people to come in it's funny that we bring up this pay stuff that i know get too much down the line. I brought this up because I've had pictures of, I, I sent you guys a picture of the pay 
at a gas station in Texas. And for all those who's ever driven through Texas know what a Bucky's is and how well it's paying. I happened to be on Reddit the other day and for whatever reason, it's sending me info about Costco. Um, and there's a whole subreddit on Costco and somebody chimed in that worked there. And it's like, I've been there four years. I've consistently been getting raises. And after four years, I'm making, you know, just under $30 an hour. And I pay X amount of dollars out of pocket for my PPO. And it's like, why would I ever leave? It's like, they're, right. they're just finding a way. So I'm not saying that every team is going to be able to, you yeah. know, pay $29 an hour for, for a full-time person, but just realizing that pay them what they're worth right away and acknowledge that and try to give them raises when you can give them time off when they ask for it, regardless, which I was bad about both myself and my staff and, and, and let's make sure that their opinion is heard and, and valued. Yeah. I, th I think if we keep on, you can keep on hammering, like you brought up a lot of good points. You can keep hammering on the economic side of it, but like you said, the, the, what I've seen is if you, if you can't overpay for someone, then giving them autonomy or giving them learning opportunities or giving them a self, you know, a sense of, of control of the group, something that they're going to value that would, that would keep them coming back, obviously is going to be something to lock them in. But, you know, part of that economic thing is if, if you look at any other sport, like my kids doing a lot of different sports, it, it's so expensive to heat a swimming pool. You know, it's just so expensive to run a facility. And yet it's like, all right, we're going to charge this amount. And, and what I saw in the Midwest was the, the, they were way undervaluing what they could do and being like, well, if we charge more, we're going to lose kids. Like, well, look at how much travel baseball is. I mean, I, 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 you know, walk to the pool and I'll see this, these travel teams playing, you know, that bat is 250, 400 bucks. You know, the glove is a hundred bucks. They've got full kit and gear and, and bags and everything like that. The money's there. You know, it's, it's a matter of it starting at one end where we have to value our own sport in that regard and value what we're doing and, and not be like, well, we're just getting those kids, you know, potential scholarships. We have to, you know, sell a lot more, I think, as part of it. But I think also our own culture has been the, you know, I'll just work harder kind of culture where I'm just going to keep grinding. You know, like Bob Bowman became legendary for working seven days a week, having Phelps swim in on Christmas and all these other things where that became like, well, you want Phelps. This is what you do seven days a week. And now it's become almost like if, if a coach isn't at every single session of a meet, you know, parents are going to start to, hey, what, what's going on? Why isn't here? If you're not at every single practice, hey, why isn't the coach here? So I don't know if it's the parents putting on or we just put it on ourselves. But it, it becomes, again, like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a work ethic that's, you know, <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, admirable <laughs> because it's one, again, that, that, that time has to come from somewhere else. And, and too many times we've, we've taken it from other places. The, the, some of the best coaches that I know, um, you know, I know exactly where that, that time and energy came from. And, and it came from other aspects of their life where the best coaches I know, they coach. And, and that's, that's really what they do. And that, yeah. that's what they have. On um, the club side, that's interesting you bring that up on the club side. And we talked about this or you know, brought it up the last time we talked about all this is that that effective communication, Right explaining to the parents trying to relate to them show empathy in their lives and what they're doing you know they all go on vacation and if you're not effectively communicating that the staff that you have is small the staff that you have is overrun at times and if your primary coach is not at a meet session there's a good reason 
is well, even more assume, than that. Let's is assume like, that there's a good reason that they're that, gone. Communicating that th- their career is being taken care of, that you know the coach doesn't have to be sitting on them twenty four seven. That things are in place, that there's a drive. Yeah, in yeah. And, but yeah, it's not just about you know arts and crafts. <laughs> no, but I mean, just like just you know, parents need to understand that you're a person and you have to have your time away. You're, you're like, and it's in combination with not slighting your child's career and their trajectory and where they are at this 10 year old stage. And because their primary coach isn't there and they happen to swim really well every time their primary coach is there. It's like, there's, there's, there's more to it than that. And just making sure that you're communicating to your parent base, that your athlete needs to be able to work with other people because they're not going to have their favorite second grade teacher in 10th grade. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not going to be able to do all these things. If, and if coaches are learning how to communicate, then we're never going to get into a better place as a sport um, to be able to get the kind of money that we deserve as coaches. So yeah, it is, everybody's got to work together, but for those, for those coaches, and I brought this up last time, if you think you're a deck coach and you're not an admin coach and you don't need to be doing things, you're, you're, you're a bigger problem than you are uh, a solution at this point. Well, if I could, if I could speak to that, I'm going to try to put no, a spin on no, that. No, no, this is yes. not the Chris DeSantis okay. show. Okay, this is, this is the Chris DeSantis show, don't, and I, don't I, I try want to speak to it. Twist my words like you no, do every other time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spin it a little bit more, I guess, empathetically. And what I'll say is, is you essentially have two models for running swim clubs in America. You have a parent board run model, and um, when you have a parent board run model. Um, the the leadership is not incentivized to I, I don't think naturally incentivized to look out for the well-being of coaches and to build a business model that necessarily worries about the well-being of coaches you want um and especially if you have a coach that you know or, or coaches that are just grinding for your kids, you start to, that becomes your baseline, right? Mm-hmm. That becomes like your, oh yeah, like I pay this amount of money and this is what I get at the other end. And I, I had an experience just like the one you guys were referencing. I went to uh, a summer league meet last weekend. So it's not a meet for us. And I had parents coming up to me going, hey, where's this coach? You know, the coach of my kid. And I'm like, he's not here because this is not one of our meets. Like he, you know. He doesn't have to be here. It's nice that I guess that you like having him here and that you want to see him. But like it, with some of them, it, it almost felt like the implication was like, well, why isn't he coming every single time my kid is is swimming? So, um, you know, there's the definitely some work to do with expectation setting there. Um, and then you have coach run teams, but honestly, most coaches are not um don't really know what they're doing business-wise you know and so uh, or you have to step back so much from what you got into it for coaching you have to become the ceo in which case you're supervising coaches which again some people are are exceptional at yeah but but like you said a lot of coaches aren't didn't go to business school right yeah well and i don't think you need to go to business school necessarily right but oh, just but, an example sure but yeah you might have some experience of running like just it's even valuable running something outside of the sport of swimming right, right. um 
I recently met a guy who was running a um, aquatics training business outside. And I think um, I was really impressed by the way he had set up his coach run club. But I think a lot of it was uh, how well he had taken, you know, like he just had common sense from running a business right. outside of the sport of swimming that he was applying to running a swim team. And part of this too, is that we are in competition with each other. Everybody's competitive. Everybody wants to have the fastest team with the fastest swimmers. And when some of your competition is crazy enough that they're, they're going to grind seven days a week for next to no compensation, you have to find a way to compete with that or else as admit, well, I'm not really trying to be competitive in this. So um, there's a poisonous loop there that I think, has put a lot of stress on the system. And again, we're seeing it break in real time. And it'd be really interesting to, to, for me um, to see what kind of adaptations we, we see coming out of it, whether places just sort of double down on um, what they have existing to find a way to sort of piece things together or whether there is real change on the horizon for the way a lot of these jobs are set up. The last thing I'll say is we do talk about compensation a lot. And of course, you know, like the easiest way uh, shorthand for any of us to quantify value in a, in a job is pay. Right. Um, but I, I, I'm always reminded by um, somebody that I used to work with another coach run club. Um, and this guy always said to me, and I, I thought this was really smart. He relied on a lot of part-time coaches to fill um, the, the staffing needs that he had. He said, do you know what? I can pay them well, but this, the most valuable thing I can give them is time. Mm -hmm. And so I set up everything so that I waste as little time of their time as possible. So that, you know, like for instance, he had purposely made changes to the way his team competed so that his coaches, you know, weren't once a month devoting an entire weekend um, to getting kids to swim league. Little things like that. I think um, time is extremely valuable and people are valuing time um, more because, Eric, like you point to, they found out what they can do with that time. Um, maybe the pandemic has fed, sort of forced them into a situation where they go, wow, I could get this out of my time. Um, and why am I then spending time on this other thing when I don't have to? Um, so I think that's a big factor. I think one thing would be interested to your opinion is like, uh, you know, being a club coach, but also as someone that's been a, you know, kind of an independent contractor for, for working on things is, is this level of control that us coaches or we as coaches always seem to require, you know, like I saw like a message board once about, Hey, one of my kids is, is going to a person for technique outside of my practices. What would you do? And like nine out of 10, Oh, I'd cut him. I'd talk to, you know, all these things like, you know, going after the kid for, for seeking outside help out with something rather than seeing it. So again, it's like one of those where we keep on saying, you know, we want X, Y, and Z, we want more time, we want this, this, but then if something like that happens, bring them in here, I'll do the, the lesson. We'll do more that we'll do whatever. And kind of, again, you take it to an example of like, any other sport like baseball, my kid's getting extra fielding work. That, that's, that's the norm. You know, of course he is, you know, he's getting extra batting practice work. That's the norm for us. We've got this idea that our training and our technique is so unique and that 
we're, we're assuming that the parents are going to blame us for everything that goes wrong or right, because obviously they have done that in the past, but not every parent will do that. And like what uh, Eric was saying earlier, that, that level of communication. And, and I think also finding out what you can let go of and what you need to hold tight to as far as for the structure of your team, for creating that culture, for creating uh, the, the, the continuity and training. You know, of course, you want to hold on to as much as you can, but I think also we need to kind of let go of some of these things that, you know, reevaluate re everything that we feel we need to have at all times. Like, like you're saying, how many meets, how many practices, how many of this, how many, well, all the mean, other things. Joel, I think that the point you bring up there, to me, this is something that like, when you find yourself in that situation, so you talk about the scenario you gave me, your coach, you're, you're on a team, you have somebody that you're coaching that's going outside of your team for private lessons. You have a massive business opportunity staring you in the face. Your customer mm -hmm. wants more services and they're yeah. willing to pay for it and you're not providing it. Okay. But, but, but just, that's what we're saying though. Also is, is that, that, that tightrope now of like, I'll do more, you know, I, I'm going to do more hours, more hours, more hours. Versus like, are you going to farm it out within your own team? Are you going to trust someone else or within your own program to do this? And again, that's, that's the level I'm talking about too. I would find, I would find a way. I mean, my, my personal, if I was advising somebody who came to me with that situation, I would tell them, you know, find a way to provide it and charge for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, you have a, a big business opportunity and as expensive as the sport is, we do have a lot of families that are spending large amounts of money above and beyond what it costs to be on, um, on a team to, get some of this stuff and um, you have an opportunity to actually bring that under the umbrella and lessen some of the financial pressure that you're under for all this stuff. And by the way, avoid this situation where, you know, I don't know, you're telling the kid, um, I want you to, you know, enter on a straight line from your shoulder and uh, private coach is like, no, please, you know, elbow yourself in the head. I don't know, something stupid. You think they're <laughs> giving them some sort of stupid advice, which is usually what um, I hear coaches complain about. Um, you know, you have, you have an opportunity to uh, bring that in to what you're doing and more efficiently use the resources that you have, um, capture more revenue into what you're doing. You do have to value it. And I, I would say the number one experience that I got from being an independent contractor um, that I, I think about all the time was um, because I, I think I, I you guys, I, I, we've talked about this over text um, and I've told you what kind of prices I was charging and some people would consider it uh, expensive, but I never had anybody complain to me about how much it costs. And honestly, I never had anybody complain to me, period. Because, and I think a factor in that was people knew the value of what it is they were getting. And they were almost like, I better just take advantage, best advantage of this, you know? Um, and I think when, when you're charging people too little for something, that's when they start feeling empowered because they value it so little, literally in terms of what they've invested in it to complain about all sorts of things. Um, you know, essentially they're, I, I, you look at 
the way people uh, would might interact with the wait staff at or the service employees at a fast food restaurant versus you know they're going to be on their best behavior when they're in a fine dining restaurant. You know, I mean, I know some people won't be on their best behavior when they're in a fine dining restaurant, but I think your average person, if they felt like they were getting you know a hundred dollar meal versus a two dollar cheeseburger, would probably be on their best behavior. And sometimes um, I think there's a lot of people out there that are doing amazing work and they're charging far too little for it. And they're, they're inadvertently creating frustration for themselves because the people on the other end don't even know the value of what they're getting. And therefore, you know, they're, uh, they're saying like, oh, uh, you know, you're not giving my kid enough help with their backstroke, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when really they've got somebody who's doing a really great job teaching their kid how to swim. <laughs> on the other end and and um so that that's sort of my perspective on all that well i guess sums up our, our what's happening in the swim coach but i think um you know it, it also you look at the schedule that coaches have you know it's everyone every, you know is a nine to five and then you're starting your work at five you know so when they're getting done it's not right and the only way to do that is get control of your pools but everyone knows that you know anything north of virginia basically there's no way you can get a pool that's that's so sustainable unless it's attached to a school you know because because the heat is sort of like that and so i think the hours and the length of the season and the the you know basically how you have it going year-round all the time and again because it's such a unique sport you know you kind of need those kids swimming around for that that level of improvement um yeah it's it's one of those where it's it's a it's a tough thing to do and it's a it's, it is, it's a balancing act. And again, most of the people I know that have become really good coaches, um, they just didn't balance. They just decide I'm a coach and this is what I'm going to do. And they just say, I'm just not going to have a family. Yeah. And, and again, that's, that's, that's a you know, decision. It's, it's, you know, it's, it, I get it. And like you said earlier, we also have, you know, young coaches trying to get jobs, have the enthusiasm. They're willing to work for $20,000 and sleep on a couch. You know, they're also kind of driving the market down as well. So you got, you know, uh, it is. It's tough to carve out um, a spot for you if, if you want a family and uh, a, a high-level team. Yeah. So here's I'm going to do one more thing that I um, that'll make Eric happy. Um, and write this down in your little notes um, so I actually remember to do it. But I'll. I'll uh, us here or as Eric. We, the listeners just, should write down notes. No. no. <laughs> oh, the, the listeners. Oh, okay. Eric should. Um, the listeners. Listeners. PowerPoint. Yeah. No, the listeners, I want to hear from you guys. So if you're somebody that's um, been trying to hire in sports swimming, having a hard time, love to hear from you, hear about your experience in doing that, what kind of stuff you're thinking about doing to fix that. Um, if you're somebody who is having a hard time uh, continuing in the career of swimming and you're looking at some of these jobs and going, are they serious? Is this really what they expect? Um, I'd love to hear from you too. You can leave a comment. Um, on the YouTube version of this, you can get to uh, christycoach.com um, and you can use the contact form there. It goes directly into my email. Um, so I'll see it there. And um, you can actually submit those anonymously. You can make a you know, made up email address and go through all or of go that. through real response. Right. You can't. I'm not partnering with real response, oh, okay. um, unfortunately. But um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, we may be on a little bit of a hiatus. We'll see if I produce anything while I'm on vacation. I am working a bit on my vacation. Um, so uh, thank you guys all. And uh, I'll see you again soon. And thank you, Eric and Joel as well.
Thanks, Chris.